welcome to another episode of Confidently Insecure, the podcast, where we are absolutely sure we don't know everything. And y'all, we are hitting you with a late night, almost didn't happen podcast recording, okay? It is 8.30 on a Sunday night, you know the night before this episode is supposed to come out. Uh, I'm coming to you as a broken, broken woman. <laughs> okay. Uh, if you're not watching this on youtube.com slash Kelsey Dara, you can't see that I am wearing these. Uh, how do I describe this? Uh, douchey, ridiculous 80s, but yet I think Rihanna brought them back and made them cool. Full face, reflective rainbow sunglasses inside at night because... And I'm taking off my glasses for those of you who can't see. I fucked my shit up. I fucked up. I fucked up my cornea. <laughs> I, oh my God, it looks bad from this angle. Okay, so if you're not watching this um, and you're only listening, sorry, you're just gonna have to like follow along with your ears. Um, my right ear, beautiful. Eyelashes, done, clear. Ah, uh, white, pure, white, pure cornea. Is that my cornea? I don't know. Uh, left side, wonky, sad, swollen, red, angry, eyelashless. So I think you know where I'm going with this. I'm putting my sunglasses back on because the light hurts my eyes. Um, oh my God, I don't know how I'm supposed to take myself seriously with these sunglasses. <laughs> they just, they feel so much better when the light's not so bright. Um... Yeah, I fucked my shit up doing my own eyelashes. Uh, I do them all the time various different ways. Really good at putting on strip lashes. I used to do professional individuals, but honestly, it just is like kind of time consuming, consuming and a little high maintenance. So I took a break from them for a while. And then I got into like semi-permanent lashes, which is stuff you could do at home with this, by yourself. And then I got cocky and I was mixing like semi-permanent with professional individuals. And last night gave myself a full set on both eyes. It looked amazing. Gorge, beautiful, ready for the Black Lives Matter, all Black Lives Matter parade. That is the mixture of like pride and Black Lives Matter parade today. And I woke up early, 730, had a, had a, had a, Big morning ahead of me, okay? I had signs to make. Um, my house was very close to where the protest was happening. So I had decorated the entire building. Uh, I wanted people to know that a lot of queer people lived here. Okay, I had to go get coffee. I was going to record an episode. I had some editing to do. And right at 7.30, I was like, mm, this little corner lash is kind of falling off. I should like fix this before my day gets started. I go to put on a lash and my hand has a twitch. Like I wasn't awake all the way. Like my muscles were still waking up and fully proceed to stab myself, like puncture my own cornea with a fucking hook I don't know how else to explain it it's like the eyelash extension tool that has the hook on it so that you can like separate your lashes it's very very sharp like if you touch it with your bare hands uh it will stick to like your dead skin like it's that's how sharp it is it's kind of like one of those like pore remover cleaner pokey stick things anyway went right through the eye uh immediately thought well I fucked up here uh this hurts and uh, everything's watering. It felt like I had 
punctured a hose because water just immediately started shooting out at a rate of 500 PSI and just soaking everything. I mean, my nose was running. Um, my eye was like the goddamn Niagara Falls. I don't know what's up with Niagara Falls, if it's even really like running or a thing anymore. Is it a waterfall? I think it is. Anyways, lots of water. Um, tried to still like fight through it and keep going I was like okay well I'm clearly not gonna get any makeup done so I'm just gonna put on my pride outfit and like go about my business and then I realized like I couldn't even fucking put my attention on doing anything else because of how bad it hurt and I was like oh I fucked my shit up but I had um a lot of protesters coming by I had to give out resources like I did not have time to like this was the one day I was like not today we went and did a big Walmart run yesterday we got $400 worth of resources I mean our car was stacked with Gatorades popcorn fucking lollipops Smarties pink Starburst uh protein shakes high C Capri Sun just to name some of the highlights uh and I was like not today holy shit so what I did I cut up a koozie a rainbow koozie that I had fucking tied some twine around it and gave myself an eye patch <laughs> fucking a gay pirate dream and I went to the protest and I handed out a bunch of stuff and uh, I couldn't even really see people. I was like keeping my eye closed and every like five minutes I would get this wave of pain that would just like, again, start making everything in my face leaking. Like for example, um, when Leo, if you eat that plastic, I swear to God, Hey, Leo, stop. I got to throw something at him. What can I throw? Um, a balled up tissue. Um, get out of there. Leo. Hey, Leo, Leo, stop it. Okay, I just shook a glass bullet. <laughs> That's my cat. Does anyone else's cat love plastic? Because anywhere there is plastic, my cat will find it and eat it and swallow it and then shit it out the next day. Um, totally forgot where I was. Anyway, I, we made it through the first like wave of the protest, and I was like, I cannot be out here anymore. I have to go to an eye doctor. So we made an emergency eye appointment, and she dropped some liquid in my eye, and she was like, yeah, girl, you fucked your shit up. You punctured your cornea, but uh, it's going to heal on its own. You don't need surgery unless it gets infected. Then we have a problem. So use these antibiotic drops uh, and just carry on about your day. I was like, yeah, but I'm in like immense pain and it hurts and my my holes won't stop leaking. And the homegirl was like, oh, that's because your brain thinks there's something in your eye. So it's going to just keep producing tears. And because you have sinus issues, um, your nose is just going to keep leaking, too. And I was like, oh, cool, 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 fuck. Like, you guys, when I say I was, like, just standing and then, like, a, a full tsunami would fall out of my nose, I'd be like, what the fuck? And so I didn't want people to think I had COVID because uh, we got tested last week, came back negative, which shook the hell out of me because I was like, there's no way I didn't get it with how many days I go to physical therapy and uh, how many protesters' hands I've been touching. Um, Anyways, um, yeah, so I'm wearing these giant glasses. I might try and take them off. I don't know. I just can't take myself seriously, guys. Um, not only that, but of course, uh, I can't just have one injury. I am slated for knee surgery this Friday. Um, I am about to start my period. I accidentally razored the top of my entire thumb nail off with a razor blade trying to cut a box open. Um, what else? My hormonal acne is acting up insanely. So I decided to go back on birth control. That's a whole nother conversation. Uh, today was my first day taking it. Who knows what's going to happen? <sighs> So just to say, 
I think I need a deep breath with you guys, confidants. Can we take one together, please? I feel like I just need it. Oh, rub the temples a little bit. Okay, let's do a beautiful in-breath through your nose. Uh, no, wow. Thank you for allowing me to do that. Okay, I'm just going to also warn you guys right now. Leo, my cat, is really looking suspicious AF and I don't like his attitude and behavior right now and if things get wild I apologize in advance okay <sighs> all of that rant aside <laughs> um I did want to like take a second to also acknowledge that I am talking about sobriety this episode and by the time you guys listen to this on Monday June 15th it will have officially been 365 days a la one year celebratory birthday of me being so take a chance to applause wherever you are right now in your car in your house with your friends applause proud of me proud of you proud of us um never thought i'd make it here um that's what this episode's about but i do want to acknowledge that obviously with everything that's going on in the world between covid and the black lives matter movements uh it did feel weird to decide to do this episode like i mentioned last week i did definitely want to get back to a place where it's like mm, appropriate to even consider life outside of what's happening right outside my front door um and i think I feel okay because this is such a big personal thing that like I'm very proud of myself <laughs> like I never thought I would do this and I feel like it is not fair to acknowledge it and talk about it so um, yeah I just wanted to like say that that's how I f I'm feeling I'm not feeling great about recording this but I also am like if I don't, I would be so upset with myself because this is such a milestone to look back on and like, yeah, reflect on. And I, I also don't know really how you guys feel about it. Like, um, I don't know if you guys are like b even getting your <laughs> like black news here. I hope not. Golly. Um, you know, maybe, uh, again, like giving your real estate and space and ears to those black creators who are the ones that honestly are doing the fucking work that is uh, universal and um, so important. So make sure you're still, you know, watching, reading. Jared and I are really flying through some really great documentaries. Um, it's kind of like fun now. It's something that we uh, both get to like look forward to at night. Like, okay, what are we watching tonight? How can we talk about it? And then we find ourselves also like always referencing it back during the week too. Like, oh, remember da 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 da. Um, also to note that there is some Black Lives Matter merch with Teespring. I hate to say merch. Items available to buy where 100% of the proceeds go directly to Black Lives Matter movement. Not only that, but Teespring, the company who does make my merch, is also donating 100% of sales. So if you do want to support that and also... In return, you get a amazing shirt that is perfect to go protesting in. It says do better, be better. Um, I think it's a great shirt that's also just for like allies as well. Like, 
you know, you guys need to show your support and um, it all goes to a good cause. And that is available in the link below. Okay, now that we've done the housekeeping and getting rid of some of my white conscious guilt about recording this episode, let's fucking talk about it. One year sober baby. Wow. Holy shit. And I say the word sober meaning not drinking. And um, if you have been a confidant for a while, you might remember that I did an episode last year with Curly uh, from former BuzzFeed days. Now he's a big star on Vita. And my co-host from Dating No Filter, Zach Nui Towers, who has been on this episode a million times since then. That was his first episode, actually, that he appeared on, uh, where we talked about sobriety and I had only been 30 days. And so it was really funny to kind of listen back to that and go through notes and like I I re-listened and um, wanted to reflect on that experience and see how things have changed. Talk to you guys about, you know, the things that I had to learn, the hard lessons I learned, uh, the things that people don't tell you about getting sober, um, all that good juicy stuff. Um, and, you know, I think it's it was f- unique today to look back on you know while the black lives all all black lives matter movement pride today was not necessarily a a celebration or a parade um it was very lgbt themed and centric and we were really highlighting uh black trans women safety and awareness so it did feel pride-esque like everything was rainbow today um and you know it was just funny to think back to one year ago pride where I was in a full hip to ankle knee brace. I was on a lot of painkillers for my knee surgery. I was riding on the BuzzFeed float and that year our float was in the very, very back. And, um, it takes a very long time. Like if pride's parade started at noon we probably didn't actually get to move till two because that's how long it took and how many floats there were so I was standing there just drinking day drinking my ass off uh for hours um and then continued to drink and then um I had to go be on a podcast that night I don't know if I've ever talked about this have I I don't know I feel like it's necessary um I had to go be on a podcast and I knew I was way too fucked up. So I took a nap and I was like, once I take a nap, I will take an Adderall when I wake up. This is at like 6 p.m. at night. There was no business anybody should be doing Adderall that late at night recreationally whatsoever. But because I had a prescription, I was like, I'm not abusing it. I totally was. Um, Woke up, took the Adderall, was definitely still drunk. When did the podcast? At that podcast, I drank an entire bottle of wine. Uh... Don't remember one moment of the podcast. I think I remember introducing myself and that's it. Not a clue. Uh, The episode was never published. Um, uh, I will say what podcast it is. I don't give a fuck. It was Chris Reinecker and Stilo's podcast, Wine and Weed. And I was the wine part of that uh, podcast. So we never published it because it like... It just made no sense. I don't think I spoke full sentences. Not sure I was even speaking English. Um, And Chris said that CeeLo had also come back from a pride party that day. So both of us together, it was like a circus. So after that night, you know, coming home that night in a stage of pure blackout. And I never blacked out. I brown out. But very few times in my life have I fully like 
lights out, don't remember anything. And uh, I remember like Jared really being concerned. And when you try and argue with a person that is blacked out drunk about their safety and you being concerned for them, I just fucking couldn't give a shit less about his feelings and his concern and was like, everything's fine. I'm fine. And then, you know, the next morning I was like, everything is not fine. I'm not fine. That was not cool. Um, and you know, Jared didn't even react to, I think that's probably what scared me is like, he wasn't like, you have a problem or like, I'm giving you an ultimatum, but he was just like, he just like had turned off almost like if something would have happened to you last night I wouldn't have you know felt anything because I knew what state you were in like if something would have happened to you that would have been your fault and it was such a different way that someone had confronted me about my drinking um that I felt it too, you know, like it wasn't like I was quitting because my boyfriend didn't like that I drank. I didn't give a fuck what he thought about it. It was just like how scared I also felt. And like it was all it was reflected in him. And I, you know, it was showing from both sides. Uh, And I should have quit that day. And I I usually do say like, oh, I quit drinking prior to last year because people know that time to be like crazy. But I took a couple days to think about it and then we went to a wedding of his cousins that weekend and I had a couple of red wines at the wedding just to like, you know, get over my fear of flying and social interaction and being around his family. And then that weekend that we were at that wedding, I decided to take like a mindful drinking journal, which was like after every drink, I would write down how I felt and like what I was thinking about the next drink and then I would have a glass of water and then I would have another wine and like there was something about just that domino effect of like okay I've been bargaining it long enough I am trying to like now science this down to like a not being a problem and my last drink that I had was June 15th of last year on our flight home back to Los Angeles I had one glass of red wine on the plane to calm my nerves from flying. And I just knew that was it. I just knew that was it. And, um, yeah, you guys have kind of heard me talk about the journey since then, but I just kind of wanted to revisit that time. Um, the hardest by far of quitting drinking was those first two weeks after that. It's been, I've been incredibly lucky to, be someone who's just had the easiest time after those first two weeks. Now that next, those first two weeks, I had a trip that had been planned for a very long time to go wine tasting in Mexico. Now, Kelsey, you might be saying to yourself, how the fuck did you go down to Mexico and go wine tasting after only being sober and having all that problems? Well, Jared and I talked about it and Jared said, you know what? I'll do it with you. Not like, as a fucking like sober buddy, like buddy system shit. Like he wanted to do it for himself and we thought maybe he was just going to do like 30 days or like whatever, but he actually is about to celebrate a year sober too next week. Um, he's behind me because he went to a wedding after the wedding we went together and he was the best man. He got fucking blasted. Um, and after he came back from that, he was like, that was the worst hangover ever. I really 
just want to take a break too. Um, so before going wine tasting in Mexico, we talked about it and we said like, we're not going to make a big deal out of it. We're just going to like, see if anyone notices. <laughs> and of course, like our friends quickly noted. And at first it was funny cause they thought I was pregnant and I was like, are you fucking high out of your mind? God damn. I would be drinking that baby away. Um, and then, um, that was probably the hardest time I had because I didn't really know how to explain that why I wasn't drinking yet. And it didn't make any sense for me to be going wine tasting um, and saying I wasn't drinking. Like it just, I didn't want to ruin the trip for everyone. And I realized like it was a much bigger deal for myself than it was for anyone else involved on the trip. But getting through that first trip was insane. Going down to Mexico, I probably had a conversation in my head with myself every fucking 15 minutes of like maybe I'll just drink and just start next week like there's no start date it doesn't matter like I can just do this weekend and then we start Monday and I would even like get so close as to like I would look at Jared and kind of be like okay I'm gonna do it and then he would kind of look back at me like are you sure and then having that support system of me to be like oh, wait, maybe I shouldn't, was so crucial because if I didn't have him, I probably would have drank that weekend and then who knows if I've ever, I ever would have stopped. Um, and so like maybe that's my advice for getting through that really tough first week is like don't plan a wine tasting trip and then also like have a support system, not necessarily a sober support system, but just someone that will like really reflect back to you what you what decisions you're making, you know, and not baby you or parent you, you know, he's just, he just gets me. And it didn't feel berating the same way that like, if I tell him I'm, if I'm like, okay, I want to cut out sugar. Don't let me eat sugar anymore. And then I go to grab a handful of cookies and he's like, Kelsey, you told me to tell you like you're trying to cut back on sugar because of your chronic yeast infections. I'll be like, Jared, shut up. Stop policing my food. Like <laughs> it's so unfair to him because when it came to that kind of stuff, I just like, I can't let him hold me accountable. But when it came to that drinking stuff, that's how like deeply I knew it was time that his just simple glance back at me as like <sighs> made me feel like, yeah, yeah, fuck, you're right. This is bigger than me. Um, so I basically knew that if I could get through that weekend, I could get through anything because I had never been te tested so hard. Um, the other things that I had to learn how to do that I didn't realize was I had to learn how to be able to get on a plane sober, which had been not something I had done in 10 plus years. My fear, my panic surrounding uh, plane rides was so fucking deep and it actually is a huge part of my book like the panic section has a lot to do with flying anxiety because I was writing this while it was happening of like I'm having to learn how to confront my feelings and rely truly 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 on myself um, for the first time and um, not long after I got sober, it was my first trip to my first, excuse me, my first solo trip ever. That was a European tour for two weeks. And I fucking, I was so close to breaking my sobriety on that flight to Europe 
the panic that arose in my body when we took off and I just thought like, oh, fuck, here we go. Here's a huge trip about to be like 10 hours on a plane in this confined claustrophobic little space. My panic flew up into my chest and the guy sitting next to me actually was in the restaurant business and we had been talking about food and wine and I told him I had gotten sober recently and um I like cut him off mid-sentence and just like got out of my seat and like took off my seatbelt and walked to the front of the plane and I went and I walked around and I was taking really deep breaths and I was talking to the flight attendant and I, and you know he could tell that I was clearly obviously um in distress. And I was like, I might need a glass of wine. And he was like, okay, just, I mean, we're not serving drinks obviously yet because the plane is like still ascending. Um, and I was like, okay, I don't need one. Just give me some water, but like maybe. And then I remember to thinking to myself, like, you know, a, a great piece of advice that I got from Zach Noe Towers, who was on that sobriety episode was that if you know, I had knee surgery and a doctor prescribed me pain pills. That's not breaking my sobriety. You know when you're breaking your sobriety because of the abusement of the thing. And so I thought to myself, in that moment, here I am. I'm having a panic attack. I am I know what one looks like. Um, and I have prescribed clonopin for these moments. And I thought, well, you know, if I need to take the clonopin now and for 20 minutes I'll maybe still feel really uncomfortable. But if I have to do that so that I don't drink I just need to get through this flight and that's what I did and I went back and I sat back down in my seat and the guy sitting next to me was like what the fuck happened to you and I was like I'm so sorry I almost broke my sobriety and he was like what oh my god am I triggering is this conversation triggering you I'm so sorry and I was like oh no 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 I hate flying and then I went through the whole thing with him and he thought it was really interesting and then I took my clonopin and it was very funny because then I got loopy and I just fell asleep and the flight was fine and I survived. And after getting through that, it was another fucking milestone of being like, look what I fucking can do. And even though it felt a little cheaty because I had taken my clonopin, I then also did three or four flights intercontinentally in Europe that I didn't. And I, not only that, but like, Man, I threw myself in the deep waters during that trip. I had to be social. I had to travel. I was jet lagged. I was literally didn't know where I was. I had to ask for directions, had to meet strangers. I was fucking staying in a hostel for a couple of nights. Like I put myself so deeply in the uncomfortability zone that with every moment that I achieved something, I felt so strong. I felt so accomplished. I felt so proud. I felt so like it didn't matter. Like I could tell someone else, like I could, you know, FaceTime Jared and be like, Oh my God, I flew. And he would be like, Oh my God, that's insane. I love you. That's crazy. I'm so proud of you. And yet nothing felt as good as just feeling that inside of myself. Like even sharing that on Instagram or whatever, people being, you know, like that feeling of, um, really truly being proud of myself I don't think I'd ever felt um like that before um sorry I keep sniffing because my um holes are still leaking um <laughs> um so I had to learn how to fly again I had to learn again how to be social at gatherings like hello the first thing we do at a networking event is grab a drink or 
um, use that liquid lubrication to let someone get to know your personality or make jokes. Like I had to relearn how to conversate with people, how to ask them about themselves, how to still make jokes. And like I found that I was just as good without it. It took practice and it was scary. But like going up to the bar and ordering like water with lemon, like just having that physical cup in your hand still gave me the same confidence. And if anything, I learned that it was better to be doing all of these things sober because you never fucking know who you're talking to at these things. Like you never know who's a big deal, who's a fucking creep, like who's, you know, someone you shouldn't be drunk around or like who's, you know, like you want to be professional in these settings. And um, I really, looking back in the last year, have seen how many more meaningful relationships professionally that I've had and mean them because it's not just like a drunken networking thing. Um, another thing I had to learn is, uh, how to deal with panic attacks. Like panic attacks were easily the hardest. That was the thing that always got me the closest to breaking it. And I think the thing that always saved me was like the same thing as having my clonopin was like, just knowing that I could at the end of the day, if I did break my sobriety to drink because of a really bad panic attack, it wasn't the end of the world. Like, yeah, maybe I would have backslided and hit a rock bottom, but like I wasn't being held or bound by any contract. And if I really, really, really needed it, it was there. And sometimes that was enough. Um, just knowing that that was an option. And frankly, y'all, fucking anytime I would drink myself into an oblivion after a panic attack there would have to be a recovery period like a refractory like hangover like shaking it off period and I started to feel better even though I would have these panic attacks that were lasting 10-15 minutes at a time or just these little blips of the waves of panic not losing the rest of my day because I didn't drink myself into a brownout um again, like made that option feel less and less appealing knowing that it was in my back pocket. But again, like it, if I needed it, like even recently, right? Like even recently I had some agoraphobia when I was driving through these big mountainous hill, hilled area out in, in Malibu. And even then I was like, if you get through to the other side of these mountains and you still feel panicky, you can pull over to a gas station and buy a beer and I didn't need it. Like after I got through the hills, I was fine. Um, and the other thing that I wrote down was that something I had to relearn how to do is date. Um, as most confidants know, Jared and I are in an open relationships. Uh, we also share partners. And that got tough because remember, we are both sober now. And when you're on these dating apps, it's already, you know, taboo to be a couple on one of these. And then to also have it be sober, like what kind of freaks and weirdos, like to me, sober people were fucked up or messed up or weird, right? Like they had problems or like a trauma or history or past. And it's like, everyone does. We so just also happen to be figuring out like how to not make it weird or a part of the dating purpose and like it didn't bother us when other people would drink like you know more power to it it really never did bother me to have someone be drinking alcohol around me and that was one thing again like I think I was really lucky in that I didn't get triggered by seeing it or being around it um (laughs) just because I think too like I knew 
the feeling of what it was going to do and what it was going to taste like. And I was just kind of like, um, but boy, oh boy, dating. And I'm still not there yet. Like there is a big sober scene in, in LA and I think we're lucky for that. But again, like it just is so deeply ingrained and it's such like a mechanical part to go to drinks with someone or like I had said a million times in this podcast, I had never fucked anyone for the first time sober ever in my entire dating history. That's still the case, is it? I don't think, oh my God, have I had, have I had sex with anyone since I've been sober? <gasps> have I had sex with anyone since, from J- oh my God, maybe, hold on. Have I not, have I not had sex this year? Oh my God, wait, I, st- but besides with Jared. I might not have had sex with anyone. What? I I gotta review. I gotta I gotta look through my like DMs. I gotta review. I'm gonna get back to you guys on this one because that is that is great. Really? I'll come back to you on this one. Oh my god, this is bothering me now. Holy shit. Um, and to this day, I still have to tell people every single day that I am sober. Like that is something that I didn't realize I was going to have to do a lot is that, um, you know, I have this really popular video out on the internet that I did with Eugene and the Try Guys where we drank the most popular drink from every state in America. That's over 50 drinks. We got hammered. It's iconic. I love it. I think it's hysterical. Um, and people are still like just discovering that video. And so when people meet me or when they decide to follow me, um, they are still thinking that that's my personality and my job. And like at first it used to bother me when someone would DM me or come up to me and be like, Oh my God, that video is my favorite. Like, Oh, I'd love to buy you a drink or like, Oh, you, I want to drink with you one day. And I would be like, wow, do those people even care? Like, they don't even know that I'm sober. Like, do they really care about me if they don't even know that I don't drink anymore? And then I realized, like, I never fucking talk about it. And it nothing has changed about me. Like, well, a lot has changed about me health-wise. But as far as, like, my personality, I would argue that it's gotten better because I'm not so fucking annoying. I, you know, everyone can get to that point of being fucking obnoxious when they're drunk. And like, I don't have that anymore. I mean, maybe, maybe I still do in other ways, but I digress. My point is, is it, I, it at first bothered me that I would have to constantly say like, oh, I actually don't drink anymore. Like, ah, the old days. Or, you know, I found a way to like acknowledge it and move past that video or that personality that people know me from because I realized it's not that big of my daily life like I'm not constantly posting about it I'm not constantly talking about it I'm not like retweeting and regramming fucking sobriety quotes like it just I even like my close friends or like the people that live in my apartment complex are like oh I always forget you don't drink and it's a compliment like at first I didn't take it as a compliment and now I take it as a compliment because I'm like I'm still fun you know Listen, I want you guys to feel and look your best, and that's why I want to tell you about Care Of, which is a wellness brand that makes it easy to maintain your health goals with customized vitamins, okay, that help you feel your best and support you 
long term. Okay, this isn't some little fad, honey. I keep my care of vitamins right on my work desk and I peel those baby open and I take them every single day. And the best part that I love about their packaging is that it's actually compostable. So I get to save them. And there are so many YouTube videos to look up on composting and gardening. And then Care Of actually teaches you how to compost them too. They also have a new line of skin and hair collection that helps you work on your beauty goals from all angles with a combination of targeted ingredients for hair, skin, and nails. Don't forget, there is quality in these vitamins, okay, that you can see and taste. They are individual eco-friendly packets, as I mentioned, and there's so much compostable info on Care Of's site. So all you have to do is go to Care Of and take the online quiz. You answer some questions about your health goals and lifestyle, and they're going to recommend a list of vitamins and supplements specifically for your health needs and goals. Okay. And if you follow all of care of expert recommendations or adjust your pack at any time, whatever you see, it's like totally up to you. You can change them. You can uh, reach a goal and change it. Uh, you can chat with them about your new goals. Uh, it is fantastic. I take fish oil. I take some of that charcoal stuff because you know that is trendy AF. And for 50% off of your care of order go to takecareof.com and enter code confident 50 that is 50% off your first care of order go to takecareof.com and enter code confident 50 now i know what you're thinking kelsey when did you become obsessed with cowboy boots well did you forget that i was raised in florida are you forgetting i'm a little country girl by heart i even wore my tacovas recently when i went on a ski trip with my family to colorado i wore my white tacovas when i went to the taylor swift concert and if you didn't think you would need cowboy boots anytime soon uh might i remind you that beyonce just dropped her little country album and you're gonna need some tacovas tacovas is my favorite boot brand and they're bringing a fresh perspective to hair Heritage boot making. So they've carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots, but they've innovated on comfort, style, and service. Their Western boots for men and women are handmade from the most premium leathers with over 200 time-honored individual steps. And Tacova's is Western to their core, offering a bunch of other head-to-toe Western staples, trucker jackets, the perfect jeans to go with your boots, performance pearl snaps, cowboy hats, bandanas, you name it, and they'll get you outfitted. If you can't make it to one of their stores, Tacovas delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and point your toes west. Back to the show. So last year, uh, as I mentioned, I did an episode with the loves of my life, Curly and Zach, and uh, I pulled some quotes from these things that we talked about last year that I just wanted to quickly revisit um, now that I've got time to reflect on some of the things we talked about. Um, You know, I talked in that episode about how my first two weeks were really hard and I swished some red wine at the wineries and I spit and, you know, that was really empowering for me because all those times I wanted to just swallow it, I didn't and how I felt like, oh my gosh, like that was such a big deal for me. And they were like, yeah, that's amazing. I would never do that. And I was kind of like lame, like, Wah. and then 
a year from a year later from that statement, I am like, there is no fucking way I would swish red wine around in my mouth and spit it out. There's just no way because Zach in that episode brings up a good point. He's like, that's great for you. I'm nowhere in my sobriety where I would do that. Like it forces me to ask like, why am I putting that alcohol in my mouth? And I think in the beginning for me in those first two weeks, I did it because I needed to know that I could. I needed to know that I could switch it around and spit it out. Now, I don't need to have that alcohol near me. I don't need to have it in my mouth. Why is it getting that close? I am so confidently on the other side of it that I do not need to put myself in that position. So like hearing that again, I was kind of like, oh, you fool. Like you needed it then, but no fucking way. Like no wonder Zach and Curly were like, that's cute, but I would never do that. Like, you know, uh, time and hindsight, yada, yada, yada. Um, <laughs> quote that I pulled was that in that episode, I find out that you can get STDs inside of cum. And it was like just a side tangent. And when I heard it again this time, I was still surprised that STDs can be inside of the semen didn't know that um Zach also talked about bargaining a lot like when he got sober he would always say before he got sober he would say like okay I'm bargaining with myself by saying like okay just like don't drink tonight or like don't drink at that thing later or you know just have one or two tonight like two is your max um and he says something in there that was really profound and stuck with me about that like his thinking was the problem and like even me saying that statement about like swishing the red wine, I was like, oh, my thinking was the problem back then. Like I just feel a year out now sober from drinking that like I'm so confident in the way that I feel and think about alcohol that like it just doesn't bother me in the slightest. Um, Like my thinking is not problematic, you know, even like a few months ago when we were like, oh my God, the one year's coming up. It's going to be here before we know it. Like, what are we going to do after a year? Are we going to start drinking again? And like, we were like, no, <laughs> like that's not like, it wasn't like a time limit. And you know, maybe, you know, maybe like there's going to be such a thing as moderation, like control or whatever. But like right now where I am, I'm the fucking best I've ever been mental health wise, body health wise, despite me wearing these glasses because of my rib cornea and my surgery on Friday. I have never felt so good in my life. I tell people all the fucking time it was the best thing I've ever done for myself. And I would recommend it to any fucking body that is questioning if they should quit drinking to just do a year. A year flew by. Flew by, y'all. I was looking back on my calendar and I was like, oh my God, that feels like that just happened. And it was like six months ago. Um... Another quote that I put in that episode was that I talked about how I browned out a lot and blacking out wasn't really a thing for me, but I browned out a lot when I was drinking and it made me think about how like how long and full my days are now. And like, of course, with the pandemic, all the days feel the same. And like, you know, you could look in at that statistic that says something about like the older you get, the quicker time goes by because there's less like meaningful things happening in your life, which <laughs> sidebar is very sad. Uh, I guess that's why people are so obsessed with their grand grandchildren because milestones are happening every day for them. But like my days are so full and long now. Like I get up at 730, sometimes seven, sometimes even earlier, which is something I never thought I would do. And I have the whole fucking day and then I go to sleep at 10 30 sometimes 11 sometimes 12 and then I wake up the next day and I do it all over again and that is never interrupted 
even if I'm sick a little bit, I still get up. Even if I'm injured, like I still go to PT. Like I've just never remembered this much of a year ever since I was a kid. Like I've been drinking, I was, I'd had drank for hard, hard for years and years and years. And just having this time is like, ah, bless. Um, yeah. And another thing that I, I heard Curly say in that episode was that, you know, he realized that his drinking became an issue because he saw that his reputation was becoming a problem. And that kind of forced me to reflect back and think about how was my reputation right before I quit. And I don't mean reputation like um, necessarily like negative that I was a problem or that, um, you know, like I didn't really have that. Like it was very, it wasn't like outwardly my friends were like, whoa, you have a problem. Like we think of you differently. You need to chill out. I had such an inward reputation revolution that I never got to the point, like I was a very good alcoholic that I could mask all of it. Like no one close to me was confronting me about my drinking ever. It never looked like a problem. But my reputation in myself, like the way that I felt about myself was way, 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 way worse than like the way the public perceived me. And like, sure, people thought I was a crazy bitch that drank a lot because of all the BuzzFeed videos, but they still think I'm a crazy bitch, so who cares? Um, <laughs> so that was fun to listen back to that episode. Um, if this sobriety topic interests you, I highly suggest you go back. Uh, the topic was I'm quitting drinking for real, and it was shot, I think, in July of 2019 because, yeah, it was 30 days over. Um, so here are some things that I just wanted to go through in the last year that I have done sober that make me go like, holy shit. Uh, I went to Mexico wine tasting. I lost a brand deal because I stopped drinking wine. I did my first so uh, did my first Europe solo trip. Um, I turned twenty nine in Barcelona. I did a live show for someone else's podcast on stage in front of hundreds of people. I had Halloween. I had Thanksgiving. I did an MRI, which I used to have to get fucking blacked out to go do. Um, I went home and did a very stressful Christmas, but got through it without drinking. I did New Year's. I went to the Sundance Film Festival and was networking my fucking balls off sober. Uh, I had two root canals without having to drink. I did Valentine's Day without having to drink red wine. I wrote a book without drinking myself into a corner like a fucking tortured artist. Cinco de Mayo, even though that's a white person's holiday, that's pretty problematic. I did Easter. I did President's Day. And now I'm about to do... 4th of July and my 30th birthday in August. Like think about all those events and all of those things and all of those holidays that are like huge, huge wrapped around some sort of drinking culture that have become different. Like the vibe is different now for like Thanksgiving and anniversaries and birthdays. Like it's so fun to still go to birthday parties now and like fucking remember everything and like actually have conversations with people that I care about. Like I'm not just having like drunk fucking bathroom conversations with girls that I'm never going to talk to again or don't even give a fuck about. These holidays have so much more feeling behind them and so much more meaning and like fun, you know, like if it's Memorial Day, you know, we are planning the whole day around 
something to do instead of just drinking. Like, yeah, we might be at the pool and people might be drinking there, but like we've got like a dance competition. We've got games that we brought. I brought my Kindle. I'm reading a thousand books. I'm grilling out the barbecue. I'm decorating. Like there are so many other things now that are fun about these events that I realized before were just purely about drinking for myself. Um, some things I learned how to do now that I quit drinking. Uh, I learned how to paint. I bought a sewing machine. Okay. I sewed two uh, patio reupholstery uh, cushions together. Uh, I built a garden. I fucking bought like six different power tools, bitch. Six different. Uh, learned how to be a better ally. I learned how to protest and get up early and go to fucking Walmart and buy hundreds of dollars worth of stuff uh, to keep protesters hydrated and uh, if I was hungover and, and making these protests all about like day drinking, never would have happened. Uh, I learned how to get up early and make the most out of every fucking day. I learned how to have conversations with people that matter. Um, I, it, wow. I could talk about this forever. But I will wind down because it's late and I need to post this episode. <laughs> now here are the things they don't tell you about getting sober. Sex is so different. Just like the whole approach yet. And like I mentioned, I'm not there yet confidence-wise 100%. Like, I don't know if we've had sex with people together since I've gotten sober, but we've definitely gone on dates and hooked up with people. And the hooking up is just different now. Like, you don't have that liquid courage confidence. You don't have that, like, social activity to do. Like, it just is so different like you watch a movie and then you have to figure out a way to like get into your room and like you have to figure out how to like eat at a restaurant without fucking like when it's over being like okay well I'm gonna go because I'm either not interested or I am and would like you to come with me like it's just so different like thank god for this fucking pandemic a little bit because I need some practice on Bumble because like I said, I'm a bitch who thought she knew everything about sex, but sober sex and like sober dating is something that I am definitely having fun tackling. So if you guys have any advice, please drop them in the dims. Um, the, another thing that they don't tell you about is you're going to have to explain why you're sober a lot, but I promise you people are not going to care as much as you think as you, that they will. It's, natural curiosity I think for people our age in the millennial generation to wonder why you don't drink and you're so young and I think a lot of people assume that there's like some trauma or some problems attached to it like if someone a year ago told me that they don't drink I would either think a they were probably a heroin addict and had to get off of everything or two they never started drinking their fucking goody goody and like I, there was no middle for me it was very black and white thinking um and now like when someone asks, I'm just like, ah, I, I had a problem, so I stopped. But, like, I'll still, like, try and experiment with mushrooms or molly, which that's another conversation, by the way. Um, but, like, people just don't fucking care. They so don't care. Like, especially if you've just met them and it's a social setting and, and you tell them you don't drink. They, uh, well, if you tell them you don't drink, I the other thing that I wrote down is, like, people are going to apologize a lot for some reason. Like, if they offer you one and you're like, oh, no, thanks. And then if they're, like, here and you're like, oh, I don't drink, then they're like, oh, my God. I'm so sorry. How dare I do that? And, like, that's the other thing is, like, even my apartment complex who this community is very small and close and, like, we are around each other all the time with our dogs and da-da-da-da, that 
they'll go to hand me a drink and then they'll be like, oh shit, sorry, I forgot. Sorry, sorry, sorry. And I'm like, it's fine. Like it you're I'm okay. And like maybe I'm different, but like there's that difference between someone asking you why you're sober and like profusely apologizing every time that they accidentally include alcohol in the conversation. And like I said, a lot of people forget that I don't drink because I don't act any different. Like I'm not a lame. Oh, that sounded bad. It makes sound like, Oh fuck. How do I erase that sentence? Because my personality drunk and my personality sober, I think are very similar minus all the annoying parts. There we go. That's better. Um, my eyes starting to hurt. So I'm going to wrap this up. Um, you can always drive. That's the other thing people don't tell you about getting sober. I can tell you genuinely the last time I had to take an Uber, Jared and I share a car. So probably one day when he had it and I needed it, but I have saved so much fucking money on car insurance by switching to Geico. I'm just kidding. I have saved so much money because I drive everywhere. I can drive my drunk friends. I can drive to a party and drive home. I can go to more things because I could drive. Like it's just fabulous being able to drive everywhere. Um, another thing that they don't tell you about getting sober is that like, I'm kind of confident that our generation is going to be the last in America that gives a fuck if you drink or not growing up. Like I'm just talking to so many young people about sobriety and encountering them who are like, Oh, I don't drink at all. Or like, I don't really drink that much. Like everyone in their early twenties that I am friends with, which happens to actually be a lot. Like they don't really drink that much. Like it's just, it's not part of their social scene and like even weddings are starting to do less and less open bars because they're finding that people would rather bring their weed pens and and fucking get high and dance which I think is hysterically fabulous um another thing that they don't tell you about getting sober is that your depression will get better significantly but that's not to say that you are going to become superman So let me break that down for you guys. Like I said, my depression has been significantly better. If you go from drinking that much to not drinking at all, your brain will thank you. Period. And that being said, I thought because drunk and hungover equals not doing things that sober would equal doing a lot of things. And I think that that's probably the thing that I'm still working on the most and trying to get the most confident about is just because I have more time and I do have more full days now doesn't mean that I'm putting as much time as I should into things. And I'm trying to be fair with myself because of COVID that no, no one is able to be the, their fullest selves right now. But knowing that that's also okay that like I think a lot of times I'm like Kelsey God you're sober like you should be able to finish this book edit or like you should be able to like I'm shitting myself a lot but that again like just because I'm sober does not equal more time equal more productivity it just like I still get tired I still get hangry I still get lazy like that's but the the difference is is like I can fix that whereas like being all of those things because I was hungover and drunk all the time was not something I was capable of um I I was using it as an excuse a lot now I don't really have these excuses besides like I'm tired because I was at fucking Walmart at 7 30 in the morning and then I was passing out drinks all day and then I fucking scorched my tornia tornia I scorched my cornea and now I'm tired because it's 9.20 at night and I need to post this episode. (laughs) Um, I think that's also a good one to end on. Like my depression's gotten better. 
Um, and also that Jared's one year will be on the 25th. So I hope you guys can all go over to his Instagram, give him a little shout out. Congratulations. It's always a big deal for the first one for anyone getting sober, even if it was as easy as it was for us. Um, my confidants, this has been such a fun, fun, fun journey to share with you guys. I love hearing your stories about sobriety and your relationships with alcohol and drugs. Um, I can't wait to talk more about mushrooms and ecstasy. Um, and don't forget to check out that Black Lives Matter, um, t-shirt that they also have it in sweatshirts, stickers, I think. All those proceeds, 100% go to Black Lives Matter. Don't forget to also check out, we put up some Pride merch. We put out a bunch of bisexual Pride merch on Teespring. Um, don't forget to keep educating yourselves. The fight is not over with the Black Lives Matter movement. Don't forget to give this five stars. And can you please go rate it on iTunes? That's the thing that get. I don't know why, who decided that, but that's the thing that does, that people check to sell ads on your podcast. They're like, how many reviews do they have? How many five stars? If it's not five stars, please don't leave one. Uh, if you don't like this podcast, please don't tell me. Just lie to me. I'm very sensitive. Um, thank you for this. Yay. I love you guys. I'll see you next week.